0: Hasn't the morning been wonderful thus far? Been just a real blessing. Your Bibles. We're going to have Scripture reading at this time. One of the portions that um, the early church observed that we uh, rarely observe in these days is that of public Scripture reading. So that will be my part. That will be my part in the service today. There will be a lot of verses that will be preached from uh, to convey and proclaim the Christmas story this Sunday, this Wednesday, next Sunday, and I want to read a number of those verses. There'll be several verses that we'll read, a handful out of the Old Testament and a number out of the New Testament. When we approach this time of the year, with me, it is like approaching the Lord's Supper. It's a solemn and very sobering occasion. It's a holy occasion. It only happened one time in history. But the darling son of God robed himself in flesh, was born of a virgin's womb. And that's just the beginning of the story, isn't it? He came into this world. He lived a sinless life. He took that body of flesh and allowed it uh, to be nailed to a cruel tree. He died. He bled and he died for the likes of us that we could be born again. That our names can be written in the Lamb's book of life. That heaven will be our home. And we shall one day be gathered into the presence of the Father. I'm thankful for the gospel today. I'm thankful that Jesus came. Look with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15. I want to read the first prophecy regarding the virgin birth of Christ in all the Bible. You will remember what took place in Genesis chapter number 3. Adam sinned. Eve sinned. And in the Garden of Eden, in the midst of that fallen state where Adam stood trying to hide from God, uh, shame. He had shame in his life because of sin. Uh, You will remember that the first question of the Old Testament, God's hunting man. He said, Adam, where art thou? And the first question of the New Testament, man's hunting God. Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? This question, as has often been stated, Adam, where art thou? It's not because God didn't know where he was. Adam needed to admit where he was. But then you'll remember after the curse was made because of the fall, the earth was cursed, the woman bears a curse, the man bears a curse, this world is cursed. Now in its fallen state, there's hope in the midst of it all. Genesis 3.15, it's what we call the pro-tevangelum, or if you choose to pronounce it pro-evangelum, either way you pronounce it, it's the same. It's the first prophecy of the virgin birth of Christ. The Bible says in Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. He speaks here of the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman. There's two applications, of course. We're going through the book of Revelation. One application is the nation Israel. And we saw that around here. Just a few messages back on Sundays, we're preaching through Revelation. But also, there's application to the seed of the woman, speaking of Mary giving birth to Jesus. You never read of the seed of the woman in Scripture except for here. You read of the seed of David, you read of the seed of Abraham, um, but you never read of the seed of the woman except for here. Um, it's a hint. It's a prophecy that Christ would be virgin-born. Someone said once said, you don't have to believe that Jesus was virgin-born in order to be saved. I contend you'll believe in the virgin-born Son of God or hell shall be your home. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, probably thousands upon thousands of messages will be preached from this passage of Scripture this holiday season, this Christmas season. Isaiah, writing beyond himself, writing beyond his years, he writes of this sign that the Lord's going to give. Isaiah 7 in verse 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. A sign. It would be something out of the normal, something abnormal, something supernatural, he says. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and sh- shall call his name Emmanuel. Of course, we know that that means that God with us, Emmanuel. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. How can this thing be? That seeing she knows not a man, with God nothing shall be impossible. The Holy Ghost moved upon the womb of Mary and put the Christ babe. And he developed in that womb like a baby develops in the womb of its mom. A virgin shall conceive. It's not just that a young girl shall conceive. Sad to say, young girls conceive every day around the globe. Young girls give birth every day. Babies are giving birth to babies. But the sign is that God shall short-circuit it all and And the sign is that a virgin would conceive and give birth. We believe in the virgin conception and the virgin birth of Christ. It's one of the cardinal doctrines of we Baptists. It's one of the fundamental, one of the foundational doctrines concerning the person of Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah 9, verse 6. No doubt this verse will be looked upon. In many churches, perhaps even this day. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. And again, Isaiah is writing beyond himself. I've often wondered if these, uh, if these Old Testament prophets, I've often wondered if they have felt what I have felt over the years. Thursday, I went on the ridge behind my house and sat down in a, uh, sat down in, in a shooting house. And I was considering the, the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, everything the son was going to confess, the father had an answer for him. He said, I need a ring, I need a robe, and I need a pair of shoes for the boy. He just wanted to be a servant. He said, a servant, not on your life. He'd been waiting on his son to return, hadn't he? And I couldn't help but think about how that he kissed him. The tense of the verb is that he kissed him, and he kissed him, and he kissed him. The Father kissed him. He smothered him in kisses. Like old Ron Martin would say, he kissed him nose, eyeballs, and all. He kissed him. He didn't even get his prayer out. He said, well, he's got to confess in order to be right. Uh, When he saw his head bobbing up from the other side, coming down that hillside, he had already made his confession. The Father knew his heart. is yeah, that where salvation takes place? For with the heart, man believeth unto salvation. With the mouth, confession is made. But I got to thinking about a story I read years ago. I guess the reason why it stuck with me is my mom's name was Janie. This happened in Scotland. The story, the testimony of this girl. She had a good mom and a good daddy. Her daddy died and she went uh, to the world. Falter, her mom. Literally broke her mama's heart. fought her mom. Broke her mother's heart. Couldn't abide by the rules, so she didn't, li- uh, the mother didn't throw her out. The girl left. She ran away from home. Left, about 16 years old. Left. Sold herself, gave herself to prostitution and everything that the streets had to offer for a runaway. Eventually, she was beaten and left in the streets to die. And she came to herself much like the prodigal son did. And she realized that there was a mama back home that loved her. She had left everything that mattered. And so by train and by foot, she began to make her way. It took her weeks to get home. She gets within seeing and distance of the little home she grew up in. And she saw a little coal oil lantern burning in the wind. And she thought, Mother must be sick. There's a light on. Mother must be sick. So she... Picked her pace up a little bit. And then uh, she broke out into a run, leaped up on the uh, porch. And when she reached for the front door, it was unlocked. She just knew her mother must be sick. Somebody was probably sitting with her. She never left the door and Lock never left a light on. She bounded through the door and she said, Mom, Mom, are you all right? And the mother from the back room said, Janie, is that you? She said, Mother, are you sick? She said, Lord, no, I'm not sick. She said, but the light was on and the door was unlocked. She said, the day you left, the light has never gone out and the door's never been locked. And I have prayed for this day. I wept like a baby Thursday. For deer to come out, I couldn't have shot him. I often wonder if these prophets got stirred up, Jim, like that. The Lord shall give you a sign. (laughs) I wonder if Isaiah, a sign, Lord? Fallen humanity, you're going to stoop down and give us a sign? You care for us? Isaiah 9 and verse number 6. For unto us a child is born. That speaks of Christ's humanity. He became what he'd never been before. He says, for unto us a child is born, unto us we people. And unto us a son is given. Can't give something if it doesn't already exist. Speaks of his deity. It's what we call the hypostatic union of Christ. The humanity of Christ and the deity of Christ. Existing simultaneously in the same person. Marvel of marvels. No wonder the angels desire to look into this matter of salvation. Don't you figure, mentioning Revelation a few moments ago, don't you figure that angel we just got through preaching on, flying through the air during the tribulation period, preaching the glorious gospel, don't you know the rest of the angels, if they could sin, they would envy him? Well, they've heard preachers preach for 6,000 years. Oh, Clovis Logan's now with the Lord. He felt strangely moved of the Lord one night to go back behind his house, get on the stump, and preach the gospel. I was preaching at Sarepta Baptist Church. It's probably been 10 years ago or so. And I told that on Brother Clovis. He was in the service. And a man come up, and he said, where is Clovis, Logan? He said, he was preaching that night, and I was in despair. I was on my back porch and heard him and got saved. Don't you know these angels would love to take my place today to preach the glorious gospel of our blessed Lord. When he was born, he became what he never had been before. When he was given, he is as God what he never could become. There's no beginning with that. I just told you all I know about that. But it's what we call the hypostatic union of Christ. That too is one of the cardinal doctrines of the person and work of Christ. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And indeed, he is all this and so much more. Look with me, please, to the New Testament. While you're making your way to the New Testament, in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, the Bible says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Micah the prophet said he be born in Bethlehem. Guess what? He was born in Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 1. There'll be some, perhaps we won't take the time to read it, but there'll be some that will probably preach from the genealogy of Christ. Found in Matthew 1 and in Luke chapter 3. Some think this is just taking up room in our pages of our Bible. But this would mean something to you if you were a Jew. Did you know because of the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter number 3, the only Jew, the only Jew that's ever lived or is living, that has legal right, documented right, to the throne of David is Jesus. The temple records were destroyed, A.D. 70, when Titus destroyed the temple. That's where the genealogical tables were kept, in the temple. But aren't you glad God gave us a Bible? Matter of fact, you'd almost think God wrote the Bible, wouldn't you? He did write it. Watch this. We won't read the genealogy in Matthew chapter number 1, but beginning in verse number 18, here's part of our story this time of the year. The Bible says in Matthew 1, beginning in verse number 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled. You ought to, I, I trust all of you commit to read your Bible through every year. When you come to Matthew... You ought to take a highlighter or a pen and underline. Every time you find the word accomplished or the word fulfilled in the book of Matthew, here's why. Matthew was written to the Jews. Mark was written to the Romans. Luke was written to the Greek. And John was written to the world. But it meant something for the Jew for that Old Testament prophecy to be fulfilled. What Matthew is writing is, this is him. This is him. This has been fulfilled. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted he is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And you heard not till she had... Brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Look with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Aren't you thankful for the scriptures today? Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse number 26. The Bible says, and in the sixth month, Luke was a medical doctor, but he was a historian. He wrote as a historian. He, he documents times. This sixth month was when Elizabeth was carrying John the Baptist. It's that sixth month. You remember Zachariah and Elizabeth didn't have any children. And it was time for him to perform his priestly duties. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, you're going to have a bouncing baby boy. And perhaps they wanted to name him Zachariah Jr. They said, don't name him after you. Name him John. Name him John. And the Lord wouldn't let his lips nor his tongue speak until the little boy was born. You can almost hear the, the midwife say, Zachariah Jr. Well, ja-. And all of a sudden he's able, God loosed his tongue, the Bible says, and he said, no, his name's John. And God made John the baptizer out of him, John the Baptist. What's in the sixth month when Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary, is carrying John? The Bible says in verse 26, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, by the way, the espousal was probably more legally binding than the wedding itself. You had to have a writing of divorcement. And a spousal period would last somewhere around 12 months legally. And you had to have a writing of divorcement to put her away. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 1, initially Joseph was going to put her away. He was going to divorce her. That's what he was going to do. Until the angel told him, don't you do any such of a thing. And then he told him the story. And of course Joseph stood by her. He's one of the unsung heroes of the Christmas story, by the way. Verse number twenty-seven to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Not like the Catholic Church says. The Catholic Church says above women. Mary had to be saved just like any other ladies. That's ever been saved has been saved. Verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Might I just pause to say, Happy is he that has found favor with God. And happy is she who has found favor with God. That God would think upon us today? What does he owe us? Happy are they that God has bestowed his grace and favor upon And all God's people said. Verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall uh, give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zachariah and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary the babe, That is, John, while yet in her womb, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, I've got to say this. You've heard me say it this time of the year, four or five times over the years. In verse number 40, Elizabeth salutes Mary. But in verse number 41, from the womb, John salutes Jesus. It's one of the miracles in the Bible that cannot be explained. And she spake out loud, verse number 42, and she spake out uh, with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, not above women, among women, she says. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Did you know that the elder can take note of this right here from Elizabeth? She's the elder by far, and yet she shows deference to the younger lady, and that's Mary. And I'm going to tell you what made the difference is her heart was set and fixed on Christ. It didn't matter Mary's age. We're so afraid somebody's going to get our position, get our parking place, or get our pew. Thank God somebody drove up to pull in the parking place, and somebody did sit on the pew. Verse 43. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Watch, Mary's magnificent. She breaks forth. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. He saves people. He saves them in that estate. He never has saved a big shot. No, he never has saved somebody full of themselves. It's always in somebody, you must come in your brokenness. And you come lowly before Christ. I love that part of her. Song she sings, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. For his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake to our fathers Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Skip down to chapter 2. Three or four more places I want to look. I'm just going to read. I'm just reading these verses will be preached from, no doubt, over these next couple of weeks. to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I wonder how many sermons Brother Rexby preached out of that one verse this Christmas season. Swaddling clothes, that's mummy wrappings. And the shepherds would come in and look at him. They'd be pierced in their heart. Well, he looks like he's wrapped up to die. But that was his singular goal, was it not? He came into this world to die. Verse 8, And there were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were so afraid... rest of them couldn't help themselves. Verse 13 says And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And you mothers know how to do that, don't you? I guarantee you mothers know how to do that, know how to ponder, how to keep these things and ponder them in your heart. It means she put it together a piece at a time. The angel done told her. You're bearing the Christ child. When the shepherds came, there was a place in her heart for that. When the wise men will come, we'll read that while we're reading. You thought I was going to be done, didn't you? She kept that in her heart. There was a, that was a piece to the puzzle all the way to the resurrection day, the first Easter morning. Verse 20 says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Go back to Matthew chapter number 2. Give me a few more minutes, now I want to read a few more verses. and We'll let the Scriptures do our speaking for us today. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Then I want to look at a couple more verses in the New Testament, and I'll finish with those. Matthew 2, beginning in verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Matthew 2, verse 2, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard all these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes, of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. Proud of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And they were, when they were coming to the house, not the manger, I don't have to point that out to you, He's about two years of age at this point. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word again, until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, there's your word again, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Look with me to Galatians 4, verse 4. Just a couple more places. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. Jesus came at precisely the right time. He always does, doesn't he? Galatians 4 and verse 4 says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. You know what adoption is, don't you? That means that when we came into this thing, we came in as an adult, not as a child. Full rights. A full-grown man. And stature in the sight of God with every right that God has provided for his own. Look with me, first Timothy three, then we're going to Philippians two, and that'll be it. First Timothy, chapter number three, verse number sixteen. No doubt this verse will be preached on this year. First Timothy three, verse number sixteen. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now, Philippians 2. Some of you know this is my favorite passage in all the Bible, don't you? Only in, in recent years have I not preached Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11. Uh, for years and years, I'd preach it annually um, about Christmas time. This is the loftiest passage concerning the person and work of Christ, condensed. This is it. His deity is set forth. His dignity is set forth. We'll soon look at this in our look in the book of Philippians on Wednesday evenings. This is our final passage for this morning. Let's back up to verse 5. Philippians 2, verse 5 through verse 11. The Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. You always remember that, friend. Nobody humbled him. And nobody humiliated him. You reject what writers write about that. He humbled himself. Nobody ambushed him in the garden of Gethsemane. He ambushed them. It was planned from the beginning. He stood before Pilate. He said, for this purpose came I into the world. He says to Pilate, in essence, this may have caught you off guard, but it had not caught us off guard. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost didn't catch them off guard. Verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore?